Hello, everybody, and welcome to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. I'm Lena Lahire, certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, best-selling author, and psychology student at the University of Calgary. I'll be discussing topics that range from nutrition, fitness, lifestyle, and everything in between so you can feel confident in how to move towards better health physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get into our topic for the day. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show. I have a special guest joining me today that I am beyond excited about. Victoria Myers is a dietitian and owner of the virtual practice and online education center, Nourishing Minds Nutrition. Victoria and her staff specialize in empowering women to ditch diets, regulate hormones, heal digestion, and learn to practice wellness without obsession. She is also the host of the popular intuitive eating and wellness podcast, the Nourishing Women podcast. Her mission for her community is to help them let go of the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy, make peace with their body, and live their lives to the fullest. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Thank you for having me, Lena. Oh, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited. You know, I found your podcast probably about a year ago, and I was going through hypothalamic amenorrhea, Mm -hmm. and it was just like a godsend. And it is like, it's not just like a popular podcast to me, it is an amazing podcast. And it was such a, like a safe space for me to go. Because when you're dealing with something like HA, it's, it's so much more than just food and exercise. It's a whole mindset that people need to change. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I would imagine it often feels like your body is broken. And I think part of that process is like learning to trust your body and trust yourself and trust the process. I'm sure we'll get into this conversation, but I'm so honored to hear that. And I mean, that's why I'm sure you do podcasts too, right? Like we just all want to help people. So I'm honored to hear it was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background and how you got into the field that you're in? Yeah. So I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, Oh gosh, you have to go like way back. I don't think I'll get into like the two nitty gritty story, but I basically just never had a healthy relationship with food or my body growing up. I was taught at a really young age to care about what I looked like um, and always try to like manipulate my body size. I was also taught at a really young age, you know, what is allowed, what is not allowed. Women should control their food intake. You should eat this, not that. Yet, interestingly enough, as a child, I was also simultaneously taught that if you are going to eat quote unquote off-limit foods, you should eat as much of them in one sitting as possible because they're not foods you should be consuming. So obviously that's going to have like a huge impact on a person as they grow up and how they view food and view their bodies, right? So in high school, I continued having pretty disordered behaviors. At that point, things definitely started to get disordered. And definitely from high school going into college is when things were for me when I really started to develop. If I look back, I would call it restrict and binge eating and orthorexia. Orthorexia is the unhealthy obsession with eating healthy, just in case you've never heard that. But I was going to school to become a dietitian. I'm so grateful. At 16, I kind of had this obsession with food. I was like reading food magazines. I was obsessed with watching Food Network. I'm so grateful for that because I discovered like the field of becoming a dietitian. Yet at the same time, as I just mentioned, that's really when my disordered eating began to pick up. 
And as I went to college and became a nutrition degree, I kind of felt like I needed to act and look the part. So I became really obsessed about making sure I followed the right type of eating, had the right kind of body so that people would believe me or listen to me, whatever I perceived it to be at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that definitely continued for quite a while. It continued until um, I was a registered dietitian. And it actually, for me, continued until right after my um, honeymoon. So I got married. And right after my honeymoon, I had like multiple binge eating sessions after an entire year of restriction leading up to my wedding. And I just couldn't take it anymore. I woke up from a binge eating session and was like, I'm done. I've had enough. There's got to be another way to live. Like there has to be something, this is not normal to be experiencing this. And I'm so grateful for that breaking point because what happened was I stumbled upon a blog about intuitive eating and I immersed myself in everything I could possibly learn about intuitive eating. As I was going through all that too, I started to develop digestive issues, which is really common with disordered eating. And I also had a hard time getting my period back after getting off the birth control pill. So all these things I was struggling with ultimately after years of being a dietitian, I ended up going through my own intuitive eating journey and healing journey first. And after about five years of working in the field, decided to open up my own private practice, specializing in these very areas, these like very exact areas, right? So we do intuitive eating work. We help people who struggle with yo-yo dieting, disordered eating, orthorexia. We help people who have missing or irregular periods and who have digestive issues. And it's all kind of related ultimately to the intuitive eating piece and just helping people feel, I think one of the things I appreciate so deeply about intuitive eating is this, I feel like it got me my life back. Like I'm just so much more present and I enjoy my life so much more. So to me, it is yes about helping people heal their health issues and just learn to like not hate food anymore, learn to actually love and appreciate food for what it is, is like a pleasurable part of your life. But it also like lets you do that in all areas of your life. So it is an absolute honor to get to do this work every day. And now I have a team of dietitians that work for me and we have an online education center. In addition to our private practice, we've got the podcast. So it is, is truly my dream job. That's so amazing. Now, when you were in dietetic school, did they talk about intuitive eating or was this like a whole separate kind of... <laughs> Well, this is going to give my age away a little bit, but gosh, I mean, I was in school 10, 11 years ago. I've been a dietitian now for nine years. I don't, I'm terrible at math in my head, but I think it's right around nine years. So no, like they weren't talking about it. I don't think I even saw anyone talking about it until really social media started to pick up and talk about it. I feel like six, seven, eight years ago is when we first started to see it. And I do remember seeing it at first and being like, hmm, this is interesting. But like I said, after I had my own personal breaking point, I just immersed myself in it. I became very convinced like this just had to be the way to just live a meaningful, joy-filled life. And it absolutely was that. But to answer your question, no, I had no information about that. I was actually taught very weight-centric in my dietetic internship too. I was doing um, bariatric. I was doing weight loss stuff. I even worked as a dietitian in the weight management field. And I know that sometimes surprises people, but I'm actually really thankful for that because it very much solidified my beliefs that weight loss doesn't work. I saw like literally in practice, all these people would come to me and they would lose weight for just a little bit of time, maybe like one to three months. And then the weight would come back on and come back more and more. And then they would feel as if they were the problem and they were had so much shame and like they were embarrassed to see me. And I just started over time being like, gosh, like this, this isn't just me. Like this isn't working for any of us. So it only further immersed me even into learning about health at every size and just learning that our bodies are meant to be the set points that they're meant to be. And we can't really control or manipulate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is so true. 
So explain to the listeners a little bit about what intuitive eating is, because there's a whole bunch of opinions out there on intuitive eating. Hi, I'm giggling as you say that, because yes, there is. And it's like, it goes back to social media, right? Like I'm so grateful for social media because it has allowed our movement to propel in ways it would have never been able to before. But it's also the reason why there's a lot of misinformation out there about intuitive eating. Because what most people think of intuitive eating is it's just eat whatever you want, whenever you want, and just listen to your body or eat intuitively. And yes, it is those three things, but it's actually a lot more than just that. It was founded by two dietitians, Evelyn Tripoli and Elise Rice, actually back in the 1990s. And they have a book called Intuitive Eating, which is what created it all. They now do, um, they they certify people um, being intuitive eating counselors. So there's a lot of ways you can like learn about it, but you can even just get Get the book, get the workbook to learn about it. I think the best way to describe intuitive eating is this dynamic mind-body integration of instinct, emotion, and rational thought. So it kind of involves learning to listen to your intuition and your instincts. It also involves the, like living a real life and rational thought and also just like emotions and satisfaction and pleasure. They're all tied up into it. And there's 10 principles that are the guiding like philosophy of intuitive eating. And they basically help you relearn these instinctual capabilities we were all born with because we were all born as intuitive eaters. We have just learned to not practice that because of diet culture. The principles include things, I won't say them all, but there's things like reject diet mentality, make peace with food, respect your body. Nutrition and movement are actually included as well, which a lot of people don't realize. They think it's just, again, eat whatever. Um, And while that is allowed because you have unconditional permission to eat whatever you desire, it also does include nutrition, joyful movement, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know... There's, there's probably a really difficult balance that you find with helping people be healthy and eat healthy because there's no question. We do need to eat healthy and move our bodies to feel good and for our bodies to function. But where's the line where we go overboard? Like you talk about orthorexia. Can you kind of um, unpack that, that fine line that people yeah. straddle? Lena, I really appreciate this question because – I think we often in the intuitive eating world are met with this question. And I do think sometimes like there is some information out there about intuitive eating that's very like rejecting of nutrition, rejecting of, of health being part of this. And if you actually like trained in it and you like are well-versed in what intuitive eating is, there's nothing that says like anti-nutrition. That's not like what it's really about. Well, I think it's important to reject nutrition for weight loss or for like obsession, which we'll get to that in a second. It is about that. So intuitive eating, and I'll even say to health at every size is literally all about health behaviors. It's just removing weight from the conversation. So that's like the best way you can think of it is it is about promoting health behaviors, but it just comes back to our behaviors, not trying to control or exert control on your body. Because the truth is, is we have very little control over our body size. And with intuitive eating, we just ask, that people respect the natural body size that they have or that they're in right now for um, various reasons. Even dieting can can cause our weights to go up and we just ask that people respect their body size. But um, so where the line I think is drawn because you'll see intuitive eaters, like we, we care about health. I you know, eat a nutritious diet. I love to move my body. I don't do any of that stuff though, because I have to, because I have to force my body to look a certain way. I literally do it for joy and because it feels good in my body. And I think that's the coolest thing about intuitive eating or one of the coolest, I think there's many cool things about it, but it helps you with that mind body connection and it helps you rediscover what feels really good in your body. Um, another good example of where the line is drawn is anytime it begins to cause mental 
stress, uh, mental, like um, emotional turmoil, anxiety, that's when you know your health behaviors have gone too far over the edge. And that's when we get into the conversation of like disordered eating and orthorexia. Like you are by all means allowed to care about health and wellness. Like intuitive eating is not trying to take that away from you. But if, if not doing a health behavior or if not eating a very particular way, or if something gets thrown off because life just can't be perfect, like we have spontaneous things happen in our life. And if you can't participate in something and it causes you to freak out or stress or even have a panic attack, that's when you know something is up. That's not a normal behavior. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like if something is causing so much anxiety and basically just robbing you of joy, Exactly. That's a great thing. Like your quality of life, if that is affected, like what is the point in pursuing health if it doesn't like let you enjoy your life? That's something I say to my clients all the time. I'm like, life isn't about pursuing health. Like health gives you the ability to like live a meaningful life and just enjoy living. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in your practice, what are some of the most common hormonal and digestive issues that you encounter? Mm, so we see a, a various variety of different ones, but I would say the most common that we see, and you're kind of, I guess, asking under like the, the pretense of like disordered eating and orthorexia. Yeah. So the, the two I say are most common with that are hypothalamic amenorrhea and irritable bowel syndrome. Although we definitely see a lot of people getting off the birth control pill, experiencing both post-birth control syndrome. We do see some PCOS clients. We'll see um, some clients that have uh, extreme period pain, or even like when you're first getting your period back from HA, you have a lot of period symptoms and just a lot of exacerbation of your period symptoms. So we see a lot of those different types of things, but the most common thing is definitely hypothalamic amenorrhea. And what that basically means is you once had a period, now it's missing. And we had to figure out and do some investigative work to why it's missing. And what causes most people's periods to go missing is food, exercise, sleep, and stress. So either you're not eating adequate intake, uh, you're over-exercising, there's a lot of stress in your life where you're not sleeping well enough. And usually food and exercise kind of trump even the stress and sleep. Those obviously make a huge difference. But if you're not eating enough, um, no matter your body weight, we've seen clients of all body sizes and ranges and still have a missing period if they're not eating enough food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you talk about stress, while exercise is great, it still can be a stressor on the body, especially in a really vulnerable uh, position that your hormones get in with HA. Absolutely. And think about like the messages we're all being told in today's world right now. Everything is about high intensity interval training. And it's all about like, go, go, go seven days a week. Don't ever take a rest day, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but also the problem with that is it doesn't respect women's unique needs. Like we as women have constant ebb and flow of our hormones. We just can't do the same exercises day in and day out and expect to feel good all the time. Like we have different needs because of that. And I actually think that's a beautiful thing. That's not a bad thing at all. Mm -hmm. And generally like when a woman gets a six pack, she's probably missing her period. Like that should Yeah. Be. I don't want to generalize, but yeah, we rarely see, we rarely see that go well just because women need body fat. I said earlier that you can have um, just not enough caloric intake and not enough food intake can cause a missing period. But yeah, definitely uh, low body weight can cause it too. And we just, you know, women need body fat. That's what we need to have, like our reproductive health thrive. And it's just the reality of like what it takes to be a woman. It's not, a, again, it's not a bad thing. I hope we can start to change that like belief system. Um, and there's nothing wrong if you've got a six pack abs too. It's just, we often find people don't thrive feeling that, uh, in that type of body size either. Mm -hmm. And 
Is HA really common? Like it seems like it's actually a lot more common than people realize. Absolutely. It's, I, I mean, it might be because of my unique circumstances of the type of work that I do. But I mean, we almost always, when we see a client for struggling with orthorexia or disordered eating, we're almost always doing that work in conjunction with someone trying to get their period back or even just irregularity in their period. So that means like if you're going more, if you're consistently going more than 36 days in between your cycles, that's also going to be considered inconsistent because we consider anywhere from around-ish like 28 to 35 days a normal length for your cycle. But again, if you're going longer than that, that means something up and that your body's not consistently ovulating the way we want it to. And um, I know not all women like love their periods. I get it. I've been there before, but like your, your, your period is a great thing. It like means your body is like optimized, like doing its thing, like knows how to function at its best possible way. So like having that period and having it every single month, is like a wonderful sign that your body is doing what it needs to do and it's getting the fuel it needs as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, a mindset shift as well. I know that you and I were just talking before the show about how going through something like that is, is more than just, you know, reducing your exercise intensity or eating more. It's, it's really the whole mindset and pushing back against diet culture to, to be okay with having a higher body fat or not exercising as much or having a period, right? Like it's, there's a lot yeah. of emotional issues that go into that. Absolutely. And I think that's why there's so many people that can figure this kind of stuff out on their own, but there's also plenty of people that need that support and guidance because like you just said, it brings up a lot of emotional issues and it brings up a lot of uh, feelings of unworthiness. Self-worth is always a conversation we end up having with clients because I think what happens for people who have orthorexia, I remember feeling this way too, because I was the dietitian and I was the healthy one. You begin to very much self-identify as like, you're the healthy one. And that's such a common conversation we'll have with clients is like, you are so much more than that. Like you can allow yourself to grow and evolve as a person. You don't only have to be the identified person as the healthy one. And um, I feel like because, you know, we like the instinctual desire of a human is to belong and to be accepted and to be loved though. Like, I don't think people always realize like how much it gets rooted into that and like losing our identity can feel very, um, it can feel dis discerning for sure. So yeah, a lot of emotional conversations are involved and that's why oftentimes one-on-one -on -one work is so supportive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I used to be a personal trainer and then went, became a bar instructor and got, uh, I, I did a certificate from the, uh, school, the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Very cool. Uh, I've heard good things about it. It was really good, but I totally relate. Like we have this chip on our shoulders. Like I'm a personal trainer. I have to look the part and then, you know, letting that go to go back to school. It's like, there's all of this identity that's wrapped up into it. And, and Oh, I was just going to say, Lena, I have so much compassion because I feel like even more than a dietitian, I feel like personal trainers are very much told you have to look a certain way in order to get clients. And I know it's so hard when you're going through that, but like, I just have this like hope one day that like we can change the fitness industry to be on our side of like, okay, I know it's scary, but like, if you can go through this and teach people your way, like, oh, that's so empowering. So thank you for you doing that hard work so that we can like spread this message. Mm -hmm. Now you talked about IBS. Like how common is IBS and why is it so common right now? 
Yeah. So we believe people who have eating disorders, about 98% of them experience some level of digestive issues. And most of the time they do get diagnosed with IBS. I always say like, if you've never been to a doctor and you have digestive issues, I definitely want you to go so they can give you that diagnosis. Um, Cause sometimes, you know, there are other things that can happen like celiac disease and Crohn's disease small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. But yeah, IBS is usually the diagnosis most people are given. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a very unfortunate thing because it's kind of a trash can diagnosis of like, hey, you have a lot of symptoms and we have no idea why you're having them. Um, but at the same time, research is emerging and we're learning more and more. And what we're learning is that IBS really is very related to the gut microbiome. So all the hundred a trillion of bacteria that you have in your large intestines, a little bit in your small intestines too. And basically IBS is very directly linked to what's going on with your microbiome. Now coming back to eating disorders and disordered eating, why that that matters is because those things directly impact your microbiome. If you're not eating a lot, if you're uh, restricting your intake, that affects your microbiome. If you are not eating, like let's say, I guess you all the time, people only eating like five to 10 foods, that's definitely going to cause digestive issues because basically you start to lose the, the bacteria to digest the the different types of foods. One of the best things we can do to have a healthy microbiome is actually eat a very diverse diet. So obviously if you're doing the opposite, it's going to affect your microbiome. We also know it impacts your gut microbiome and the gut brain axis. So they're all kind of linked together. The gut brain microbiome axis is technically what it's called. I usually just refer to it as the gut brain axis though, but basically what that means is your gut and brain are talking to one another. So think about it. Like if you have negative thoughts all day about food, if you're stressed and worried about what you're eating, how you're eating, when you're going to eat, which we so commonly do a disordered eating, like, of course, that's going to perpetuate digestive issues. And then to make it 10 times worse, when you start to develop IBS, you tend to get pretty like in your head about it. And you tend to be like, oh my God, is this going to cause me to have symptoms? And is this going to make me feel this way? I so vividly remember feeling that way. Oh my gosh, it was the worst. And like that also perpetuates your symptoms. It's like this vicious cycle back and forth. So we find helping people embrace intuitive eating is a critical part of healing IBS. And then on top of that, we like to do supplement work to support symptoms. We like to help if we do feel like there's evidence-based approaches we can do as part of like the nutrition part of um, intuitive eating. We will do that. It depends on the person and where they're at, but usually it's a lot of like lifestyle work and like working to like reduce the stress and calm down and get in the parasympathetic, the rest and digest mode. It's a lot of intuitive eating work. And then we use supplements to help A to B kind of that like holistic healing perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So probably one of the biggest fears that I would think that you encounter with clients when you're talking about intuitive eating is the fear that they're just going to go off the rails and not stop eating. Like, how do you, how do you help people with that fear? Cause that's probably quite legitimate, especially if they have like, you know, binge, uh, like binging and purging or Absolutely. I'm smiling very big because I know the listeners can't see me, but just imagine I'm smiling really big right now because yes, like literally every person is like, yeah, I hear you about intuitive eating, but also like, this is really scary and I don't want to do this. And again, that's why I'm such an advocate for working one-on-one. And I'll also kind of give you guys a sneak peek. We're going to be launching an online course that literally is about this. It's about how to you know, do the permission stage. So that might be an option depending on when this launches, but, um, yes, it is such a big deal and your feelings are so valid. But what I'd also ask this someone's like listening and resonating with that is it's probably because it feels very unknown. It feels very out of control. And that's probably where that fear comes from. 
ultimately you have to trust your body. Your body knows how to do its thing. There is often what we talk about within the permission stage, which basically means when you first learn and then try to embrace intuitive eating, you've got to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. And the reason why you have to do that is because it allows your body to kind of find homeostasis, allows your body to regulate. If it's been restricting and you've had so much on and off diets and good and bad foods in your head, your body needs to know that food is safe again. So that's why we call it the permission stage. It's kind of part of making peace with food, that principle and rejecting diet mentality and kind of like the first stages of in principles of intuitive eating. Um, so if you can just like let it be, and you might feel a little bit like you are on the pendulum of overeating and binge eating. There are steps that help with that, that again, sometimes working one-on-one and online course can help with, but overall, if you can let it be and let yourself kind of swing to the other side of the pendulum, your body wants equilibrium. It wants homeostasis. You just have to trust ultimately that your body will find that, that, um, that ability to do that. Mm. And do you find, um, clients, come to you and they're kind of like on the intuitive eating uh, bandwagon, but they're actually kind of using it as a diet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Most commonly. So I think because of my podcast, most of my clients come to me like aware of what intuitive eating is. They get that like diets don't work, but they can't seem to like figure out how to actually embrace intuitive eating. And I totally get that because it is really confusing to figure it out. So yes, I find that's very common for people to like, just not really sure how to actually like go for it and do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I'm sure like you you're able to pick up on this depending on the client, but it's almost like um, there's this belief that being an intuitive eater will cause weight loss and, and it might, but it might not. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. So there's three things that can theoretically happen with your weight. It can either lose weight, which I wouldn't say is the most common, but for some people, maybe it can lose weight. You can either gain weight or you can maintain your weight. So I think because we don't, we can't say for sure what's going to happen to your body size, that also really freaks people out because again, why do we ultimately get into disordered eating behaviors? Why do we ultimately diet? For most people, it's because they want to control their body size or look a certain way or try to lose weight, right? And those feelings are because, you know, we live in a world where we're told we need to be constantly doing that. And like, you always have to be chasing that that look and look a certain way. It's like, even when you reach your weight loss goes goals, most people don't feel like it's enough. Like they always want more. And that's to me, like, inevitably where like someone's going to hit a breaking point and realize like, this just is always going to keep you on a hamster wheel of not feeling enough. But yeah, it's so common for people to feel really concerned about what's going to happen to my weight. And that's why body image work and just like helping people just make peace with that. It's a big part of kind of the beginning of work with people. It's just like, okay, like I get where you're coming from, but also can we just like hold space for that desire to lose weight and maybe open up or something new? Cause this isn't about giving up. It's just about moving on. You're seeing in your life that dieting doesn't work, that you're obsessed with food, that you're constantly anxious and stressed about how you're eating, how you're exercising. Like, could we just hold space for that? But also again, be open to maybe there is another way to do things and there is called intuitive eating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now with the current situation, what, um, Obviously, people are super stressed, but there seems to be such a huge emphasis on at-home workouts and like eating a particular way. Have you noticed any like big changes and kind of like some concerns that have come up with this whole COVID thing? 
Mm, I love this question. I, I think it's such a good question too, because I think most people are like, oh, it's got to be a good thing that there's so much at-home workouts. And like I have participated in them and I, yes, I love them. But what happens is a lot of people also feel like they aren't allowed to rest and they kind of feel like they have to, it's like, okay, well, if that's taken away, I have to force myself to do these at-home workouts. All these people are telling me. So that's where I just think the trouble lies is there's there's many people out there really struggle with the ability to tune in and listen. Like, how does my body feel? Because this is a pandemic. Like we're all really stressed out. Some people need at home workouts because it's going to help you feel connected to yourself and connect to your body. But there's many people that just like desperately need to rest right now. And that's a conversation I've had with so many of my clients recently is like, you are allowed to do nothing during this break. Like if you want to be productive and you want to like do all the things and all the hobbies and do an at-home workout because it feels good in your body, not because you're forced to, that's great. But you're also allowed to do like literally nothing. We've never had a pandemic before. Like you don't, I just hate that people are like shitting on themselves about how they should do this. And it's just really unfortunate that that's happening. And I hope people can see that like, it's, there's no right or wrong approach. Again, we're not saying like hating on at-home workouts, but I also ask like, just ask yourself what you need versus like feeling as if you have to do something or like I said, you should do something. I'd be curious, Lena, you're, uh, you said a bar instructor, right? So like, how does that feel for you seeing all of that? You know, I, when this whole thing hit, I did post some workouts, some at-home workouts, and I really just did it for family and friends. And I realized this, like this big skyrocket in at-home workouts and such an emphasis on our bodies. And I had to kind of scale myself back because I, I don't think the emphasis should be our body, you know, like it, it should be about moving because it feels good, but not because like, oh, well, now we're not doing as much activity, so we have to do more here. Um, so that's kind of upsetting. The other upsetting thing is how a lot of personal trainers and fitness clubs have started to capitalize on this. And I get it. Like people have businesses that need to run and, and I respect that, but it was like, buy this new program at home program for, you know, this amount of money. I'm like, girl, people are losing their jobs. Like you mm -hmm. can go online and find lots of free workouts. Um, so that was, you know, the, I have seen some concerning things. And like you said, this need to be productive where maybe, maybe one day you just need to binge watch Netflix, right? <laughs> like, that's okay. I, I think our kind of people, they're the ones who really need the message of it's okay to rest. Like you can do nothing. You can binge watch Netflix. Like you just said, like you are allowed to do nothing. Like, I don't know. I feel like the people I tend to work with and that tend to be part of my community are perfectionists and type A personalities. Like we're the type of people that need to use this, this time just to like rejuvenate. Like you are allowed to like let yourself just be and like, mm -hmm. Hey, maybe that will give you the space to like work on intuitive eating or just like, just to like give your body the break it desperately needs right now. So I appreciate you, Lena, like recognizing that and being willing to like show up in a different way because I bet it's really needed for your community too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like for me personally, I was like, go, 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 go with my workouts and running. And obviously it's no wonder I lost my period. <laughs> But like I started doing yoga twice a week with this whole lockdown thing. And it's been amazing. Like I, I love yoga so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it it it's it's nice to be able to find a new strength in going slower. 
Yeah, I will say, I think it's, I, for most people, I feel like it's a great opportunity to rest. In my own personal life, it's actually been fun to like pursue movement. So that's why I'm saying like, everyone has a different need, right? Like I'm not in that place anymore. I'm very much like in a healthy place with food and body. So I've been like, I always do yoga, but um, I added in bar for the first time ever. I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. So I've personally been using it as an opportunity to learn new forms of movement that I've never tried before. And it doesn't mean I exercise every day and have a certain amount of time. I always wake up in the morning, just kind of ask what I need. And a lot of times it's not exercising at all because I have a baby that's not sleeping right now. And that's a whole nother story. But anyways, all to say, like, it can also be a really fun opportunity to like check in, see if you want to try different forms of movement. There's no right or wrong answer here. It's just like, what do you need versus like listening to the masses about how you should do things? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one kind of last topic that I wanted to touch on is emotional eating and how that has changed for people in times of stress and uncertainty and what you have to say about emotional eating in general. Mm, Such a valid question because I do think there's a lot of emotional eating going on right now. And I think, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, to be honest with you. There's nothing wrong with needing comfort. And again, speaking to shooting on yourself, I feel like people feel really guilty if they have a desire or need for comfort. When it comes to emotional eating, it is one of the principles of intuitive eating. So it's definitely something we address within the emotional eating context. And usually the way we address it is like you can cope with emotions with and without food, meaning you can have it as a tool in your toolbox. Usually what I recommend to people is like make a list, maybe like one through 10 of different things that help you when you're in a negative emotion, help you kind of get out of that funk. Uh, it could be things like going for a walk or taking a nap or um, talking with a loved one or, you know, or it could also be food. It could be eating ice cream if you want. There's nothing wrong. I just usually ask that like speaking to kind of like the same way we were talking about exercise, people check in and ask what they need versus immediately just like, numbing things with, you know, it could be food. It could be other things people numb with like social media would be a great example of that. So my usual recommendation again, is not demonizing emotional eating. Like you are allowed to eat for comfort and you can also stop, pause and ask yourself, what do you need in this moment to check in? And I guess before you even check in, I should also ask or like recommend to people like, Hey, like let yourself feel your feelings. I feel like other than numbing, we tend in our society to not allow ourselves to admit how we actually feel. Like what are the interoceptive cues of how you actually feel right now? Like when you're angry or you're like, is your uh, blood pressure rising? You can like feel your, your cheeks flush or when you're frustrated, like how do these things feel and like let yourself feel it and express it. For me, that's usually crying. That's how I'd like love to express my emotions. But I feel like with emotional eating, the answer isn't just so quick to say like, no, you're not allowed to emotionally eat. It's like, yes, that's okay. But also, how do you feel? Like, what are the emotions you're experiencing? Let yourself feel them. And then also stop, pause, and ask yourself what you need in that moment to check in and help yourself cope with what you're feeling and experiencing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen a rise in like your clients talking about emotional eating during this time? I think it's not only emotional eating, it's just people feeling uncomfortable because I have a couple clients that are in the healthcare field and they are like the exact opposite where they're super stressed out and they like have no time on their hands and more like having to figure out very quick, easy things they can grab and go and eat. And then most of my clients that will say are probably more like a lot of us 
like myself where we're stuck at home with a lot more time on their hands. And the reason why that can really freak people out who struggle with disorder eating is oftentimes more time on your hands and not being so go, go, go and stress and busy means you can fill your body more, which often means people feel more hungry and they think something's wrong with them because they feel more hungry. I'm like, no, it's probably just because you're actually like not so crazy stressed out. Like you're actually feeling that. And um, food is also more accessible. I think people's fridge and their pantries being more available. That's another way we see oftentimes people avoid giving themselves full permission to eat as they'll avoid being in situations where food is around. So it is a time where people are struggling for, as you can tell, various reasons. And it's a conversation and just different strategies will give clients of like, okay, well, if you're feeling hungry more, like you are allowed to honor that, you're allowed to give yourself that permission. If you're around food more and you've never been around food before, like you have to let it be and just give yourself that, again, permission to do that. Um, but yeah, I guess the answer is like, yeah, there's a lot of different things from over exercising to emotional eating to like feeling people's like people feel bad about their hunger or being around food yeah. more. And we're trying to help people navigate uh, and go through each of those. Yeah. My, uh, my sister is really funny. Someone mentioned something about gaining weight. She's like quarantine 15, man. It's totally fine. <laughs> I like that she said totally fine because I feel like I'm seeing a lot of stuff that's like, don't gain the quarantine 15. I'm like, oh my gosh, y'all, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Can diet culture please leave us alone for like five seconds, please? Like, it's crazy. Totally. So leaving our listeners with something, uh, what, what kind of strategies would you give people as they're going through kind of stressful times with, you know, eating um, this kind of unhealthy mentality to do more? Like what, what kind of advice would you leave our listeners with? Mm, If you're resonating with that, I just couldn't recommend enough. Like try to, I know it's so hard in the world we're living in right now is such a funky, weird time, but like try to use this as an opportunity to shift the perspective into Hey, like what a wonderful opportunity for me to rest and pause and give my body really truly what it needs right now, which is the time to rest and pause. And maybe it's a time where instead of fixating so much on the food and exercise, you do like sit and watch Netflix because you haven't done that forever. Or maybe you like journal and think about like what you want to do with your career when you're done with this. Or maybe you sit and have some conversations with loved ones and reconnect with people because you have kind of cut yourself off from that or not been, um, you know, showing up with the value-based living way that you want to show up. So I think it can be a really interesting opportunity to reframe and kind of shift perspective into like, what can I do to take care of myself? Even though like all the tools aren't accessible right now, like what can you do? And also just let yourself rest and pause as much as you can. And I guess too, like kind of the theme of something we've talked about today is like, just stop, pause and ask yourself, like, what do you need? Like, because we're all unique individuals. We all have a different desire and need of what we need right now. We're all experiencing a different circumstance. So instead of just like listening to everyone else's opinion, like what would it feel to ask yourself what you need in this moment to take care of yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's so wonderful. And where can people find you? Yeah. So people can find me in a variety of places. So the first one is Nourishing Women Podcast, which is my podcast, like you mentioned, all about intuitive eating and wellness. And we explore hormones, digestion, body image, motherhood, kind of all the things we talked about today. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, and my website. And we have episodes that air every Tuesday and Friday. You can also find me at victoriamyers.net 
or my private practice and online education center is Nourishing Minds Nutrition. And then our Instagram handles are at Nourishing Minds Nutrition and at Victoria Myers underscore. And lastly, um, uh, I have a Facebook group community. There's almost 1,800 of us in there loving and supporting one another. And that's called the Nourishing Women community. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to have you. I could just talk to you for hours and hours. It's very cool when you listen to someone on a podcast, like I know your voice. And so just to like hear your voice and see your face is just so wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. And thank you for listening to my podcast. I like love, love, love meeting people who listen to the show. So thank you for doing that too. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, you guys, thanks so much for joining us. Take care and have a good day. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel on iTunes and please leave me a review so we can get this message of better health out there. Have a great day and remember, you are powerful over your health.